This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and coming up, it's a look at the Vancouver real estate market. Where is it headed, and what does it mean for you? We'll check in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. But right now, here's some of the consumer news from the past week. With grocery prices higher than ever, yet the profits being made by the big grocery chains also coincidentally at record highs. The people who run these big grocery stores were in Ottawa on Wednesday defending themselves in front of a House of Commons committee. Grocery prices were up 11.4% in January compared to a year ago, and that figure is almost double the overall rate of inflation of 5.9%. Loblaw President Galen Weston and his peers from Metro and Empire Company answered questions. All three executives insisted that food price inflation is not caused by profit mongering and that their margins on food-related products, or profits rather, have remained low. Weston says that Loblaw companies made bigger profits off financial services, clothing, and pharmacy sales, which he said represents over half of its business. How is your credit card debt? If it's running a little higher than usual, you're not alone. Canadian credit card debt soared 15% in the last three months of last year, and younger Canadians in particular are relying on credit just to make ends meet. Credit monitoring agency Equifax says credit card debt topped $100 billion compared to the same quarter a year ago. Overall, consumer debt rose 6% to $2.37 trillion. Equifax says the effects of higher interest rates haven't been fully felt yet on homeowners, as many have not yet renewed their mortgages. And for the first time in a year, the Bank of Canada decided not to raise interest rates. This past Wednesday, Canada's central bank announced it would be staying put at 4.5%, at least for now. It was somewhat expected, with the bank saying it decided to keep interest rates where they are based on the recent economic data. It showed that inflation slowed down in January with no economic growth posted for the fourth quarter. Still, the bank says it's continuing with a wait-and-see approach when it comes to monetary policy. And the bank said this week that we could see more rate hikes if the economy or inflation run hotter than expected. Keep your eyes on the road. Police across BC are working with ICBC on a month-long blitz to cut down on distracted driving. According to ICBC, distracted driving causes nearly 40% of police-reported car crash injuries and contributes to 77 deaths every year. The campaign launched this past Monday morning in North Van as officers on an overpass spotted passing drivers texting or calling and then radioed that information to the cops waiting farther down the road. One distracted driving ticket is 368 bucks and carries four driver penalty points. That adds another $214, pushing the total bill to nearly 600 if you get two distracted driving tickets in a single year, that'll cost you nearly 1400 bucks in fines and penalties. The Online Streaming Act was back in the House of Commons this week. MPs were debating this new bill. It would force online streamers like Netflix, YouTube, Amazon Prime, even Spotify 
to start including Canadian content in their feeds, just like the traditional TV and radio broadcasters have had to do for years. If passed, these big streamers could face steep penalties if they don't include some CanCon along with all the American stuff. And speaking of streaming, if you're looking for something to watch on TV this weekend, an old Hollywood classic is back with a new look. The second season of the new Perry Mason reboot premiered this week on HBO. We can see it here on Crave. And uh, Welsh actor Matthew Reese plays Perry Mason. Perry Mason doesn't count as Canadian content as a show, though... That character was originally portrayed by actor Raymond Burr, who was born in New Westminster before becoming a Hollywood star. He was also an Ironside, if you remember that. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And up next, we check in on the Vancouver real estate market with John Carlson. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. That's next. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. A bit of good news for people with mortgages from the Bank of Canada this week with the announcement the central bank is keeping its key interest rate at 4.5%. That decision comes after a year filled with increases, as you probably well know, intended to slow down the economy and decrease record high inflation levels. It has slowed down the real estate market, but when you compare it to the sky high market during COVID, that's pretty obvious. But have we really seen the effects of these higher rates yet? Maybe it, it, it might actually be a good time to sell now. Or is is waiting for the market to come back? Is that a mistake? To help us with that question, our man on the ground in the trenches of the Vancouver real estate market for more than 25 years, he sold more than a thousand properties in all the different areas of the lower mainland, uh, pretty much everywhere. He is, of course, our friend John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smart Point. You can find him online at johnnysmartpoint.com. And John is with us now. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Wonderful to be back once again. Excellent. And uh, we're going into uh, a a time change tonight. Before you go to bed, you spring forward. And I guess uh, spring isn't until uh, I think it's a week Monday is officially spring. But I, to me, when the clocks go forward, that's the beginning of spring to me. I don't know how you feel about that. Isn't that great? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I've had conversations with friends and this is just an aside. I love, uh, you know, the the, the changing in, of the clocks in spring. I like daylight savings time and yeah, we're going to lose an hour, but just think of those nice long evenings we're going to be able to enjoy all spring and summer. So anyway, I'm all for it. I'm one of the ones that wants to keep it in place and uh, I don't mind, but you're right, Martin, we're, we're definitely coming into the spring market. I wish you know that the that there's the real estate market in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley would bloom because we're we're having a bit of a late start statistically. <laughs> yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of blooms literally in the ground, and uh, I I guess the the time change kind of helps things with the market. I want to talk about the spring market, but let's just start with uh, what we usually do when we talk, just get a general update on the market. Uh, What's your take? You're in there in the trenches. What's your take on the lower mainland real estate market right now? Well, you know, as we just mentioned, Martin, um, as I just mentioned, I'm still waiting for the spring market to bloom, you know, traditionally, and we, you know, let's face it over the last five years or more, 
the spring markets have been more active and we've been in some excited times compared to now. You know, you brought up the fact that the, the bank rate has gone up uh, to four and a half percent. We're going to talk about some of that. Um, but when I look at the market, I see the market as, as a supply and demand market. I mean, that's really the core function uh, of that. Now, when interest rates go up, it hurts demand a little bit. When supply goes up, you know, thing, you know everything changes. But what I'm seeing right now is statistically, if we looked and we talked about this last week when I was on the program, that the month of February was the slowest uptake of new listings of any February in 27 years. Um, and when I look at March now, we're up almost, what, a third of the way through the month. And uh, when we look to date, the number of active listings, um, new listings, I should say, hitting the market is is significantly under 50% what it was last March. So, so far, January, February, and up to now in March have been still kind of dormant. You know, I've, I've seen the, the housing market kind of be in a holding pattern, if you will, since, say, Christmas, where not a whole lot of sales, statistically speaking, given the averages, the 10-year averages, not a whole lot of new listings hitting. And so the supply and demand ratio is staying fairly, you know, constant. And, and one thing that's resulted in, actually, the sales are starting to pick up a little bit. The inventory is still low. And what I find is that, you know, pretty much in any segment, whether it be detached houses, uh, row homes, condominiums, acreages, I'm a residential realtor. These segments, um, you know, I'm seeing the good listings, those that are attractively priced and attractive, they're getting really good action right now and they don't have a whole lot of competition. So in that sense, for sellers, from their seller's point of view, the market is actually pretty strong. Um, but I think there is also an expectation that maybe as the rest of this snow melts and the weather gets better and people get back to real estate, that that supply and demand ratio, you know, is going to change. And, and you know, you asked me that question at the beginning of the program. That is the big question. What is coming? I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, a whole bunch of new listings hit in the next three months. But, you know, time will tell. Yeah. It, and it's interesting because as someone who kind of watches the market uh, myself very passively, I'm not in it the way you are. It seems like there's two different sets of data you get. You get the price data and you also get the sales data, the number of sales, the number of homes being bought and sold. And it seems like you hear a lot about the number of sales, but but what really drives the market is the uh, the inventory. And if there's very little inventory, there's very few things to be able to buy, that's going to drive the price up. So I'm not sure I have a question in there other than I, I, I'm just sort of reiterating what you're saying. I guess it's really important to watch how many properties are out there for sale. And if there is a, a situation where there's not that many properties, it might be a good time to get in the market to sell. Would you say that's true? I think that's a great observation. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of truth in that. And, you know, it, it brings uh, brings the point up that it, real estate is a really interesting business. I mean, if you look at, say, gasoline, supply and demand, the price goes up on the weekends and all these things that, you know, quite frankly, are a bit of a mystery to me. Uh, or you look at other commodities, well, the real estate market's a little bit different because there is a very personal component in that. You know, you have, uh, you know, for instance, I've done a fair number of estate sales in the last year. And, and you know, these are situations where properties are going to sell. Or you have, you know, work transfers or sometimes divorces, unfortunately, or personal situations that come up in people's lives that dictate that, hey, now is the time for me to either buy a property or sell a property. You know, I can't control what the market is that I might be operating in if I'm thinking of selling my property. But sometimes personal situation dictates that now's the time. Uh, 
Um, and another along that line, um, one other factor that I think is creeping into this equation more and more as the weeks go by are, again, we mentioned the, the rising interest rates. I've had several meetings with people in the last month or two who say, you know, one of two things. Hey, uh, John, you know, we love our house. We've got a variable rate interest, you know, uh, a variable rate mortgage. And, uh, you know, our payment used to be $2,800 a month and now it's uh, $4,100 a month. And, you know, I think we're going to want to sell because we don't want to take on that kind of debt burden. Or the people might say, hey, you know, I've just had five years, of, you know, fantastic. My interest rate's been under 2%. And now, you know, the bank rate's four and a half. Um, you know, uh, I'm looking at a five-year term locking in a little over 5%. And not only that, but the bank, you know, wants me to qualify at stress test rate of 6.5. I, I can't afford the, the house that I'm living in now. So lots of different personal situations enter into the market in real estate. And, you know, as an agent with a fair bit of experience over the years, talking to potential home sellers and, you know, a lot of these things have to be considered when it comes to giving advice. So the market is what it is. Um, and I'm as excited as anybody to see what happens in the next few months. But I think you hit it on the head, Martin, right now good listings for sellers who want to, you know, uh, uh, position their properties according to the market conditions in terms of price and, and are able to, you know, demonstrate some real attractive value to buyers. They're getting really good interest right now um, because there's not a whole lot of competition to, you know, to compete with. We're talking to John Carlson. Uh, you know him as Johnny Smart Point. Uh, you can find him online, johnnysmartpoint.com. It's uh, two N's in Johnny and a Y, J-O-H-N-N-Y, smartpoint.com. You can also send John an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And we're talking about uh, the spring. And uh, it seems like, you know, timing is everything. And uh, if you're trying to sell some skis, you probably want to sell them just before the ski season, I guess. And uh, in real estate, I often hear you talk about the spring season uh, being a very important uh, part of the calendar for for real estate. And the clocks are going forwards. That means uh, the evenings are going to be lighter. And I guess that literally would affect um, the amount of people coming to look at homes too, because all of a sudden it's not dark and raining uh, in the evening when people are finished work, it's still light outside. So I guess literally it gives you more hours to show uh, property. You know, I never thought of that, Martin. I mean, I just enjoy the the extra long days to tell you the truth, but <laughs> there could be, there could be some truth in that. Um, of course, uh, there's a lot of other factors that are, that are a lot bigger in people's minds and budgets and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, timing, we talked about that. We're going to see typically, again, going back five years, if you sold in March, you probably sold too low because your neighbor sold at the end of March and got, you know, X amount more. And then the neighbor beside him sold in April and May and that the trend went up and up and up. But, you know, there's a lot of indication that we're probably in a flat market at the very best and maybe in a declining market if you look over, say, a three to six month window. So for those reasons, you know, it might be a good time right now with with low inventory. And, and you know, another thing that, that's interesting, I had a um, I had somebody contact me. I, I think they heard me on the radio or maybe I work for one of their family members. But a, another estate situation, and this is somebody in North Vancouver, and they brought something up really interesting that I thought I'd talk about is... Um, you know, the question was, hey, John, I've seen your website. I've seen some sales and I see some in Surrey. I see some in Maple Ridge. I see some in Coquitlam. I see some in Vancouver. I'm in North Vancouver. You know, do you work my area? And, and you know, how do you how do you manage that? So 
Um, timing is one thing, but when it comes time to choosing an agent, you want to get somebody who who knows what they're doing. So I, I think that's a very valid question. And, you know, I wouldn't mind addressing that, Martin, if you have some time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. So, so somebody who, who is in, uh, say, say North Van, uh, versus Langley or something, you can, you can handle that. You, you, and, and cause I know whenever you talk about this, you always say you're, uh, an in-person type of, uh, dealer. Like you like to deal with people, uh, one-on-one. Absolutely. You know, face-to-face is my favorite and phone. When, when I started, I got licensed in 1996 and I, I, you know, I took my first training towards the end of 1996. And in those days, I think we had a pager and we had some printed catalogs with sales and listings that would get delivered to the office every, you know, every week. And that was a little bit of a different era. And it would have been hard in those days to do what I do. But, you know, with the internet now and, you know, all of the information out there, uh, you know, I feel very comfortable working throughout the greater Vancouver area. And we've had, what, dozens and dozens of people from all these areas come on and give us voice testimonials, um, you know, about the job that I did uh, and my team did in terms of selling a home. And I'm really proud about that. So I want the listeners to know if you're if you're giving any thought to selling a property, whether it be in North Vancouver, South Surrey, uh, Mission, Abbotsford, I, I work in, um, all these different areas, uh, you know, around the greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley area. I have, you know, through my company, through 2% Realty, we have our office in in South Surrey. We have a Vancouver branch in, at the Broadway and Oak area in Fairview. And we've got an office in Fort Langley. Now, truth be told, I can do business out of any of these areas. But most of the time, you know, I'm a, I'm a face-to-face agent and I do a lot of listing sales. So when I get a call from someone and they want to talk to me about selling the home, you know, I travel, I, I drive, uh, I'm in an area where I can be almost everywhere in 30 to 45 minutes. And I feel pretty comfortable with that. So when I meet people in their home, I can see the house for myself. I can find out the situation. And when it comes time to giving good advice, you know, regarding pricing and market strategy, it's a different world out here than it was, you know, 25 to 30 years ago in the real estate business. There's, you know, professional programs like Paragon with the MLS information and Autoprop with all the city websites and information about zoning and future developments, community plans. I can look at sales ratios. I can look at list ratios. I can see what the recent competition is doing. I have, you know, contacts with all the other agents in the in the various real estate boards out here. So uh, nowadays, a good agent who has experience and, and knows how to use the tools, I think, you know, that's really important, Martin, uh, like myself, can sit down comfortably in a, in a homeowner's home in North Vancouver and give accurate information about what's going on in the market there. Um, and, you know, same thing with, say, uh, Mission or Maple Ridge or Coquitlam and Tri-Cities. I just had a nice estate sale in central Coquitlam. And I think that, you know, we really did nail that one in terms of price and, and maximizing mm-hmm. what's on the market. So, yeah, I, I just want to address the listeners out there, let them know that I'm available and I'm capable and I'm definitely willing to sit down. And when I do, when we do sit down together, you can be assured that I'm going to give you the straight goods. You're not going to get any pressure and I'm going to be an open book in terms of everything I know and understand. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. If you want to talk to John Carlson, you can also send him an email at john at johnnysmartpoint.com. It's Vancouver Consumer, and we're going to have more on the state of Vancouver real estate and what you can look forward to this spring 
when we return right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking real estate with our friend John Carlson from 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. J-O-H-N-N-Y smartpoint.com. You can uh, give him a phone call, 604-612-0080. Or you can send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. And uh, a lot of people wonder where the name SmartPoint comes from. And uh, I think the reason is, is as we've just heard in the last segment, um, John has been in this business for many, many years, more than 25 years. He's sold more than a thousand properties and not just in one little area, one pocket of town. John can work in any area of the lower mainland and uh, he brings a lot of experience and experience is so important when when things are weird, and I guess things are always weird in the real estate market. We just went from COVID where things were totally weird. And now the interest rate situation is making things a little bit weird. So, so John brings all of this experience, all of this skill. He knows what he's doing. But at the same time, he's a 2% realtor. And John, talk about that. Because when, when we talk to your clients uh, who you've helped sell houses for, um, they almost always say, they always, they literally always say you saved them money and they're very happy about it. So let's talk about 2% realty and, and how you can save them money. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I do actually like talking about this subject because, you know, I think the people out there care about, you know, the fees they pay for any service. And let's face it, when you're selling a house or a property, it's a pretty big business decision and you want to get good value. And uh, value, again, is always more than just the price you pay, but it's it's what you get. And that's kind of, you know, that's where I came up with the idea of smart point, because if I put myself in a consumer's shoes, I think to myself, okay, well, you know, what would I do? Um, you can paint a piece of plywood, put your phone number on it and write for sale and put it in your front yard and you can handle offers yourself. And that could be valid for, for some sellers out there who have the ability and sophistication to do the, the entire job, and, and that's fair. Um, or you could hire a professional, and I want to be really clear, there are no set commission rates out there. Um, you know, you, you, fees can be negotiated, and fees, depending on the brokerage you're at, can be set at different levels, and there are no set fees. But when it comes to talking about saving people money in commission structure, I'm comparing to, you know, the, what, what is the, by far the most common commission structure out there. Most uh, people I meet with say, you know, when, when it comes time to talk about fees, they say, you know, I met with this realtor at this company or I met with that. And, and generally, you know, the, the commission structure that people talk about, the vast majority is 7% of the first $100,000 of the sale price and then two and a half percent of the balance of the sale price. Some are saying seven and three percent now. So, uh, but I'm going to use the seven and two and a half percent because you know that's by far the most common commission structure out there that consumers will come across when they interview agents to do a job. Mm. Uh, so when it comes to that, you know, interestingly, you know, I, I did a little bit of homework because I knew you were going to ask me this question today, Martin. And I, I took a look at over the past twelve months. I looked at my listing sales. And this could be anything from a little one-bedroom condo for, you know, 500000 400000 in an outlying area. 
to, um, you know, a three and a half million dollar, you know, house, you know, on a small acreage type thing. Uh, but my average list uh, listing sale price, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, was just over $1.1 million last year. So when I look at that and I think, okay, let's, let's just call it 1.1 million at 2%, you'd be looking at paying a total commission of $22,000. Now that's not a, that's not a small amount of money. Uh, that commission would be split between my brokerage, the listing side, and half of it offered out to the buyer's brokerage. So, you know, it's split between the two. But if I take that same $1.1 million sale price at $22,000 at my company, you know, it's uh, about $35,000 at seven and two and a half. And again, as I mentioned earlier, a person could even pay more under some structures. So if you look at, you know, and then I did the math and I saw, you know, the Typical savings at 2% versus 7, 2.5% is somewhere between 35 and 39% in terms of commission. So again, going back to the smart point idea, if if a, if a homeowner can hire an agent with an excellent track record uh, who has you know all the exposure to the market on MLS and doesn't cut corners, photos, 3D tours, virtual tours, open houses, you know, in fact, even driving traffic to my website and announcing listings on this radio program. And they can save a third or more in their in their commission uh, paid. I think that's a really smart point. So again, going back to putting myself in the shoes of the consumer, I want good value. You know, whatever I'm buying, whether it be a product or service, I look at the value proposition. And if I'm not happy, I know there's lots of other alternatives, and that's very much true about the real estate business. So, lots of licensed realtors out there with different skill sets and different experience levels and different you know ways of looking at things, including. The commission structure. And so what I want to do is basically make it a no-brainer for people to give me an interview and see what I have to offer. Because again, compared to the most you know common structures out there, not only will I do people a good job by evidence of you know the many people we've had on this program to testify to that, but I'll save people money compared to that structure uh, that most other offers offer, most other agents offer. Right. And if you go to johnnysmartpoint.com, uh, you can literally look at the table and you could see if you are selling a property and what that is worth, how much literally that will save you, you know, down to the, to the dollar. And, uh, I think it's a really important, uh, thing. And you mentioned something just now, um, the fact that, that you're, you're paying 2%, uh, but you're also getting someone who's been in the business forever and it's, it's not a bargain basement service. I mean, things like, um, like photography and, and, uh, you know, 3d imaging stuff like that is so important, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, again, you always have such good questions, Martin. I thank you for bringing this up because I hear so many times, um, people say to me when I sit down, you know, I, I see your commission structure and, uh, you know, I see your sales. I've seen your signs and heard your ads and all these things. But, you know, tell me, what is it that I'm that I'm not getting? Because, you know, a friend of mine said to me, you know, you got to be careful because if you've got a lower price, you're going to have to get a lower level of service or, you know, uh, some lower level of cost saving somewhere. And, uh, you know, uh, is that necessarily true? I, I, I think it is if you're you know, maybe if you're buying a set of tires, uh, you're buying, um, you know, some products that are mostly material fixed costs, uh, you know, you're buying lumber, whatever it might be, chances are, if you pay 30% less, 35% less, you're going to get an inferior product. But I think you have to remember that in this business and real estate, what you're, you know, really paying for is the expertise level of the person you're working with. We all have, you know, our MLS fees and costs of, 
you know, you mentioned photos and tours. Well, guess, guess what, Martin, about 10 years ago, I bought all that equipment and I keep updating it. I've got my own team. So when I take a listing and it's time they say, hey, John, uh, we want to list it tomorrow. When can you do photos? I said, I can do it tomorrow. Chances are, you know, within 24 hours. So I've got the Matterport cameras. Uh, they do the floor plans. They do the pictures, the tours. I've got all the cameras, the photographers in-house. And, you know, I, I'm efficient. I don't have to cut corners. And so, again, the smart point idea is if you can have... And I want to, excuse me, I want to make this so easy for people because, you know, not to brag here a little bit, but I have been in the business a long time. And if you look at my statistics and my track record, it's very hard for most other agents to match it in terms of, you know, year after year production and satisfied clients. So, it, you know, when it comes to that and the price is a little bit less, I think that's a really smart place to be for, for home sellers. So uh, you're right. I don't cut corners. Uh, if most products, there's a bit of skepticism there. If I'm paying less, I must be getting less. That's not the case. I mean, I don't take more listings than I can handle. So I'm ready to do open houses. I'm ready to show the property. And quite frankly, if I do have a listing, let's say sometimes in Chilliwack or something, I have people calling me or clients and they're like, Hey John, I can call somebody else from my company and we can work together and they can still have my expertise, the timeline. I might have my partner in Chilliwack do an open house and that sort of thing. And the commission structure stays the same. So you know, this is how I make it easy to survive and thrive in this business, Martin, is I want to offer the best value proposition that I possibly can to clients and make them happy enough that they come on this program and tell the world about it. Right. johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. John Carlson, you can send him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. It's J-O-H-N-N-Y, smartpoint. Dot com. And it reminds me of a, of a story uh, from one of your clients. I can't remember who it was, but they, they had a pool in their backyard and they contacted you and uh, they were, weren't ready to sell, but they were thinking about it. And then you guys decided that you would wait a while, but you had the presence of mind because it was the summer. You went and you photographed the backyard with the swimming pool in the summer and then when the winter came around and they decided to sell, you had photos of the pool in the summer, as opposed to, you know, when it's all green and leaves are in it. And uh, you know, I love that's that interesting. Story. That was Tim. And I was just in contact with him this morning. Um, and uh, his sale actually completes in a few days here. And I think, you know, thanks for bringing that up. Cause that's a, that's a good example of the fact that, you know, real estate is sometimes a process. I get an email or a phone call and I might not work for the people for three, six, 12 months down the road while they get their own things together and make a decision. But, you know, I, once, once a person commits to working with me, you know, and that's, that's key to me, I'll be honest. If someone wants a bunch of things done and they, they say, Hey, we're still interviewing other realtors. I, you know, I'll say, hey, feel free, but when you're ready to work with me and if we're going to work together, I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. And yes, sometimes that means doing photos early. I've done listings where the weather was poor and my photo team comes out and we do the pictures, but you know, it looks a little bit dreary. Now my guy, my, my team uses Lightroom and all those sorts of things. So we can, we can definitely spruce up those pictures, but sometimes I just say, if there's snow or something, I say, well, why don't we come back and just do some other photos in a week and we can update those photos, make the changes so again, remembering who you're working for, when I work for a client and we both have the same goal of making sure their property looks good and sounds good and, and attracts really good offers, that's my job. So it, it makes it easy. And I, I really like the setup that I've got when it comes to um, you know photographs and marketing materials, because I think we do as good a job as anybody out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think it... Uh... 
uh, it, it's definitely uh, a good time to think about it. If, if you are in, in the market, if you are thinking of selling a property, um, we're going into the spring. Uh, we were talking about the fact that the clocks go forward uh, one hour and all of a sudden it, it completely changes the face of Vancouver. All of a sudden there's an extra hour of light. And, uh, you know, as we discussed, it could be a good time to, to at least think about getting into the market because, um, we're, we're not sure if, if these higher interest rates have really been factored into the prices yet. And uh, it might be a good time to sell. And it might be a great time to talk to John Carlson. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. J-O-H-N-N-Y SmartPoint.com or John at JohnnySmartPoint.com. That's the uh, email address. Or you can give John a call at 604-612-0080. And uh, John, I guess we'll talk in a couple of weeks. And uh, and I, I, I wish you luck in this uh, this this uh, next few weeks because I think it, it's probably going to be a, a really uh, spring-like feeling out there. And uh, I think you're going to be busy. I'm really looking forward to two weeks from today as well, because, uh, you know, there, there should be a lot more to report in the market update. So, you know, stay tuned for that. I'm looking forward to it as well. Right on. John Carlson, Johnny Smart Point, and the website again, johnnysmartpoint.com. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. A lot happened this week in Vancouver history, some really important events that have shaped the city. For example, it was March 9th in 1977, a big day that will alter the life path of a young SFU kinesiology student. His name was Terry Fox. I've got that story coming up next. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time now for a little This Week in Vancouver History. A lot of events happened this week that have shaped the city. It was 1977 on March 9th that uh, something would alter the life path of a young SFU kinesiology student by the name of Terry Fox. It was that day back in 1977 that Terry had his leg amputated at Royal Columbian Hospital. Doctors said at the time that the average survival rate following that type of amputation and cancer was about 50%. But Terry Fox, who was a gifted athlete, was up and walking on a prosthetic limb in just under three weeks. Three weeks after that, he played around a golf, so he wasn't about to give up. Terry Fox would later say that the night before the operation, his old basketball coach paid him a visit and gave him a magazine to read. In that magazine was an article about an amputee who went on to run the New York City Marathon. And Terry said it was that article that gave him an idea. After three years of physical therapy and training, Terry Fox would dip his artificial leg in the Atlantic Ocean in Newfoundland and set off on the Marathon of Hope. He, of course, uh, wouldn't be able to finish that run. But that legacy has so far raised $850 million for cancer research. And it was also in 1977, three days after Terry Fox had surgery, that something unrelated happened, but would also have a huge effect on the city. It was March 12th, 1977, when plans were announced to transform Vancouver's Granville Island. 
At the time, it was all industrial. It was often called Mud Island. It was considered an eyesore. The plan for the new reimagined Granville Island was a pet project of Vancouver Center MP Ron Bassford. He had been working on it for years, starting in the early 70s. But the plan was not without its critics. Vancouver's director of planning in the late 70s, Ray Spaxman, didn't like it. He was concerned it would be too expensive. And he said it would create too much competition for the similar boutiques and public markets in Gastown. But it went ahead and now Granville Island is a huge part of the overall flavor of this city. Also a great place to get donuts, among other things. That was 1977. And looking back at this week in Vancouver history, uh, we could go way back to 1922 and March 13th. It was on that day that Vancouver heard its very first local radio broadcast. It was at 8.30 at night, a half-hour broadcast with some news and a few musical selections. Still pretty high-tech for 1922. And I got to say, John McComb has never sounded better. No, I'm kidding. John's not that old. He would have only been about 10 years old in 1922, I think. My math is not good. I'm kidding, John. The broadcast back in 1922 was actually spearheaded by the Vancouver Province newspaper. It was their equipment. Other newspapers would soon follow suit and do their own. Uh, But this was 1922, so very few people actually had a radio to hear it. It was four years after that, though, in 1944, that CKNW, the station you are, of course, listening to right now, would sign on. Back in 1944, CKNW would become the first radio station in BC to broadcast 24 hours a day. Uh, We are now in downtown Vancouver, but NW actually started in New Westminster. That's why it's CKNW, New Westminster. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back, it's the Consumer News of the Week. A bad week. Yet another bad week for Elon Musk. And the PNE needs your help naming their new roller coaster. Those stories and more when we come back. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.